Hey guys, this episode is brought to you by Raindance Media. Raindance offer a range of digital marketing services, SEO, web design, pay-per-click advertising, Google Ads, and Facebook Ads management. Rank your business on the first page of Google or build your business's online presence with their range of digital marketing services. Raindance are a boutique agency only taking a limited number of clients. Get more traffic, acquire more customers, grow your business. Don't get left behind online www.braindance.net.au Hello guys, welcome to another episode of the Hear the Voice podcast. Today's guest is George D. Norris. And straight away I want to thank him for his time. A real genuine guy and a fascinating listener. George is a corporate and executive coach, mentor if you will. Over 45 years of experience, done his own business, Norris Management. He's an author radio. He's a fascinating listener. He has such a terrific story to tell. So many valid and key points in being successful in your chosen field come from George in this podcast. He's worked with people such as Peter Schwab, Neil Gannon, Neil Craig, all in the AFL space, and businesses such as BMW, L'Oreal, and Caltex. George, like I said before, is a great listener. And again, I want to thank him for his time. I really hope you enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed making it with you. Take care and enjoy George D. Norris. Done. George Norris, welcome to Hear the Voice, mate. Thank you, Nick. We've had a few technical difficulties, but hopefully this will this will come out okay. Oh well, it's a learning curve in coronavirus. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, where do we find you in the, the current lockdown and the pandemic, mate? Well, uh, I've, I'm, uh, I'm in good space. I've been writing my autobiography, um, which has been fun in itself. Uh, my business autobiography, I'm, I'm up to chapter 28 now. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so in lockdown and with, with the coronavirus, it's given me time to focus on the past, actually. It's a, I can imagine people who retire, though, Nick, having yeah. a problem unless they have a project. Um, it's really quite uh, quite depressing if you're not careful. You must have something to do. So there's, a, there's evidence, world evidence, that a lot of people who retire without a plan or a project uh, get into trouble and, in fact, die young. So I can understand that. So I've been uh, spending three and a half to four hours a day writing my book, uh, and that, that is unless I'm doing work with clients uh, by Zoom. And uh, it's really been quite uh, quite satisfying and uh, and healthy. Fantastic! You wouldn't consider yourself retired yet, would you? You're still very very sound and active in your your current role as a what do we call you a leadership consultant or manager? No, well you'd call me a corporate coach and management mentor. That's probably the yep. right the right words. A bit, a bit a bit more. There's a bit like there's somebody trying to ring me here, but I'll just I'll just disconnect that. Um, and and uh, so I'm here by myself today. My PA is not in. So I work about three days a week, uh, mainly in leadership areas with the CEOs, um, with uh, various companies, uh, real estate, uh, accounting, um, motor industry as a cross-section. And I work three to four days a week still. And, um, and the rest of the time, play golf a couple of times a week. Keeps me off the streets. And uh, so that's my life. <laughs> <laughs> were you as uh, were you as passionate about 
getting back to golf as Sam Newman was these last couple of weeks? Oh, probably more so. He's younger than me, <laughs> so uh, so it's I, I've got a I've got a real passion for it. Uh, played a lot. I've got a museum here in my house, in my apartment, I should say, with clubs that are 150 years old and bagged the same. And I've got uh, lots of I've got a golf library and uh, lots of trophy cabinets and so forth, etc. So. Um, uh, yeah, so I'm I'm probably as passionate as him. There you go. I'll, I'll, I'm happy to be equal with Sam. That's fascinating. I'm sure I'll write a note. I want to touch on some of that golf history that you've spoken about. But um, okay. I want to I want to bring the listeners into how we've come to this chat. How I'm talking to George Norris on the podcast. So I listened to a podcast that featured Eddie Jones, the yes. England Rugby World Cup coach. Yes. And um, fascinating guy. And as a coach myself, interested in his philosophies and, and learnings as a coach. And he mentioned Neil Craig. And he also mentioned Corrine Reid as well, a, a psychologist who's well-known in Australian sport. Yes. So I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole and thought, why not have a throw at the stumps and try and get someone like Neil Craig on my podcast? And that brought me to Google, which brought me to, um, to your management front page because you represent him, don't you? Correct. So then I make a phone call and uh, funnily enough, you answer the phone and we've heard the phone go off a couple of times already. You're a well-wanted man. <laughs> uh, you hang up from the conversation that you were on and then you led to engage with me in conversation for at least 15 minutes. And I said to you about three or four minutes into the, the phone call, I said, mate, look, I'd be more than happy to, for you to help me to get Neil on the, the podcast. But in actual, fact, I, in actual fact, I think I want you on because you, A, sounded really interesting. I didn't, I knew nothing about you and B the way you engaged with someone that you didn't even know. And the conversation that we had, I thought this is somebody that I think would add real value to the podcast and add real value to the listener in regards to learnings and philosophies around building relationships and um, your experience in the corporate and the sporting world. And in that short conversation, I found you to be a really fascinating listen. So here we are. Eventually I hope I will get Neil on. Um, so we're going to start with you today. How's that sound? Good. Well, he's happy. I spoke to him yesterday. He's happy to be on with you at some stage when it works out. So there you go. So that's, that's fantastic. fantastic. Good. So well, I really appreciate I'm here for you. So you fire. Away you go. What would you like to well, know about me? Well, I, mean, I don't want to be rude and allude to your age, but you've, you've you done something. Yeah. 79, is that right? 79, 80 in, on the 28th of November this year. And that's as you right. said on the phone... You're 79 going on about 50, is that right? That's roughly it. Perhaps 60. Let's, let's, uh, <laughs> 69, 79 going on 60. I'll, I'll take that. Fantastic. Happy so, about that, yep. 45 years in running your business? Yes. Correct. Started yeah. on the 4th of December 1974. So it's in its wow. 45th year, yeah. And you've had, uh, you've had learnings and dealings with, uh, Neil Craig, as you, as you mentioned, Neil Danaher, yeah, yeah. Um, Peter Schwab, Peter Schwab, yep, yeah. Sam so Mitchell, some... Luke Hodge, Chance yep. Bateman. Well, it was is a bit of a story there, but you go, yeah, yeah. I've had I've had a lot of. I started. You want me to just lead in? I I, I was at Caltex Oil. This might be useful for your listeners. I was at Caltex yeah. Oil, which is a a joint uh, Australian operation between Chevron. And Southern uh, in the oil company, Southern California, uh, te which is Texas uh, based, and that's ca become Caltex in Australia. 
So I started as a management cadet there when I was 17 and left as training manager. So uh, in that time, I was very fortunate to be educated with a lot of world best practice, uh, leadership management uh, and communication, especially um, uh, processes, uh, techniques, uh, strategy and uh, and and I guess information that some of it was is revolutionary and uh, I've, I've taken that with me on my journey coaching other people so I started in uh, 74 and uh, and and I've, I've coached a number of uh, I've actually put in a program to Collingwood Football Club the very first there you go I've never really said this much but the first ever client I ever had was the Collingwood Football Club to my brother's um, enjoyment because he, he's a nut Collingwood footballer or football follower and I put in a motivational program there they had a they had a problem back then in those years with equality some people some footballers arriving in a 450 SEL Mercedes and others on a bike and uh, and they wanted to um, uh, make a bit more make it a bit more equal I tell you who was on the in the 450 was Len Thompson, and I don't know who was on the bike, but it doesn't matter. So, so they wanted them to, to uh, have a better uh, culture in as much as they wanted everybody to arrive on time, uh, leave on time, be respectful of one another, wear the right outfits, uh, you know, and have commitment. So I put a program in there to help them over two years to do that. Uh, that led to um, other, uh, just other people. Once you start your business, Nick, it's interesting because people admire you for your courage and to, to jump off the cliff, you see. I might have yeah. said this to you on the phone when I originally you met you. Um, yeah, you did. When, when I was starting my business with $500 and no clients, it was as if I was jumping off a, off a cliff, looking down and seeing there was nowhere to land, but knowing in my heart there was. Yeah. So there I am 45 years later saying I know there was. Um, so, but it's been up and down, as you'd imagine, a bit like the Scenic Railway or the Big Dipper or whatever they yeah. call them these days, the Corkscrew. And um, uh, it's been really quite interesting because the second client turned out to be L'Oreal of Paris and the third one was Renault. And I had both of those for five years. And uh, and then it, it sort of, then it went on and on, Rank Industry, Sansui, Hi-Fi. Um, in fact, these are all in my book. So Wurlitz is a good story too. Um, in fact, I might tell you this because this is about what I'm about to write in my book. Um, it shows you. How about, how about I pause you there? Go. Because you, you, I could potentially let this podcast go. I could leave the room and you'd fill the hour without me, I reckon. <laughs> well, I could, but I just thought a story might help. But you, no, that's okay. No, no. I think it's we're important gonna... for you to control it because I'm, I'm just trying to do what I think's right. You're go we're going to go to that story, absolutely. We're going to take off there very soon. But I want to come back yep. to the Collingwood leadership yep. two years. What year was that? 70, 75, 76. Now, I would dare say that you were probably one of the first, if not the first person approached to do a role like that in those... In, in, that in Australia, no question. They had to put the photographs down off the wall to put, <laughs> which caused havoc. Harry Beitzel, who was alive then... Well, they went nuts uh, because that was revered uh, territory, and they put up this big scoreboard that we had we had made with everyone's name A to Z in that order, no favourites. 
follow right. A to Z. Yes, yep. and and uh, and they got the, and they started with the. I'll tell you why we. This is because we're not recording, are we? Are we recording yeah. now? Yeah, we are. So I thought you said you paused me. Um, anyway, no, as in pause, pause the story that you're going to pick up from next. I'll but I wanted to come back. I beg your pardon. Sorry, I that's misread. fine. That's fine. Misread you. Anyway, um, we what we did was we gave them all. See, people love, but people hate to lose more than they want to win. Did you know that? I agree. It's high. It's high high performance psychology from around the world. People hate to, hate to lose. Herb Elliott, the miler, hated to lose. So we gave them we gave them points in advance, like a bank account, and took them off if they didn't perform as they should. And you'd be you'd be staggered <clears throat> how the Richardsons and the Thompsons at the time would sneak into the room to see how many points they had. Grown men, champions in their in their field. It, it, you know, it was really interesting to see how it motivated them. People hate to lose. So that worked. And uh, with, with a coach that was average, because Murray Wiedemann was there at the time and he wasn't the world's best coach and they were, they were in a lot of trouble with injuries. <clears throat> Pardon me. But, but it was really quite fascinating to see how um, McKenna, for instance, was the full forward then. Um, it was really interesting to see how it all worked. And it taught me a lot about psychology, that people love to keep what they've got. It's a bit like now, isn't it? You don't want to lose your freedom take it away and people hate it. So uh, that's what happened there. It would actually, it, it uh, created a team of leaders within a team, which is possibly where the first leadership group came from, I reckon, in, in a sporting club. Yeah, it was, was quite it difficult. Was it difficult with for them? You've mentioned some big names and back then they were the big names. Oh, yes. The, yes, yes. the Thompsons. How hard was it for you to get them to engage and buy into what you had there? Uh, well, it took a little. Initially, they were sceptical, as you'd imagine, and yeah. like, oh yeah, what's this? What's all this rubbish? <clears throat> and then after after a couple of well, a week or two, they got the drift. Because see, because my psychology was to not favourite, not make anyone a favourite, no matter how much money they got. So yeah. if you, if your if your surname started with A, you're at the top of this this big scoreboard. If it started with Z, you're at the bottom. So it didn't matter. It was just, it was irrelevant to how much you got paid or how good you thought you were or how good yep. anyone else thought. It was purely, um, was a bit sort of apolitical, if I can use that word. Uh, yep. no, no favourites, yeah. So they bought in pretty quickly. In fact, they surprised the club. The, the club couldn't believe that the Thompsons and the Richardsons and their two brothers, that they actually uh, bought in as quick as they did because they knew if they didn't, they'd lose too much and they'd look stupid. So it's actually quite interesting. They wanted to preserve their image. That's fantastic, mate. So now let's segue into, you mentioned L'Oreal, you mentioned Renault. Oh, well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, other organisations. So fast forward back to where we, we paused. Okay. And also, if you can incorporate this question into what you're about to talk about. Yes. Your dealings, your dealings with footballers in the 70s back then when you're initiating this program. Yes. Dealing with, executives and, and managers in a L'Oreal or a Renault? And yes. Are there similarities, mate? Is it really just people management? <clears throat> well, it is. And um, there's a basis for all this to happen. Uh, and I'll just have a sip of water, if I may. Absolutely. Um, yes, there is a commonality. Uh, uh, the, the human is an interesting, interesting breed. 
of animal, if you want to call it that. Um, we all have, there's, in 1943, a guy called Dr. Abraham Maslow, a uh, behavioural scientist in America, came up with uh, what he called the hierarchy of needs. And, and there's five levels of need, you and I and Thompson and the Richardsons and everybody, the guys at Laurel and Renault and, and at uh, Essendon and every, every club you can think of have. And the bottom level he found out was um, physiological, a lot of need required to survive and stay alive, where people on the unemployment uh, queues now are, right? Uh, and if you're in that level, the behaviour is you are very angry and anxious and you can be depressed. The level two, you go up higher, is security where you're physically and emotionally safe in the present and in the future. And the behaviour there is work and save. So you still, if you haven't got a job right now, you still fall into that area because you can't work and you can't save. Yep. And that's, that breeds ang angry, uh, angry temper, uh, frustration, sadness. But levels three, four, and five are really interesting. This is a very good part of your question. Where level three is social recognition, which is to respond or communicate with others, like we're doing now, and others are doing on Zoom. And the behaviour pattern is join and belong to groups, communicate and talk. Hence, golf clubs, football clubs, bowls clubs, squash clubs, tennis clubs, book clubs, etc. Got it? Um, and that starts a sense of well-being. Interesting that. Immediately you start to feel good when you interact with other people, like seeing your face now versus being on the phone and not seeing it. If, if it must be at FaceTime. The fourth level is interesting. The top two are the productive levels. That self-esteem to respect yourself first and receive respect from others. And the behaviour pattern is really quite fascinating. It's about this, being able to display your abilities, skills, knowledge and experience. And that's one thing that's and that develops a higher sense of well-being. So when, when people in the 50s, and especially the 50s, get retrenched, they fall right back down to number one, usually, or number they can't work, usually, unless they open their own business. So you've got to be able to display your abilities and skills. So it's really important why, why older, wisdom-based people can be around as mentors and coaches, because it gives them that level four. And level five, the top, which a couple of coaches used last year in AFL when they took over, is self-actualization to re realize your full potential. The least level of needs required, but you've got to imagine, create, and be self-motivated, and that makes you feel the best you can be. So, so we had uh, uh, our, our two new coaches at Teague at Carlton and Shaw at, at North Melbourne, if you remember, released the players within a within, if you like, a tunnel of opportunity to be creative and do their own thing on the field. And what happened? They, the, 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 they won matches, the, people, the players are happier. So if you're constrained, and I won't, don't want to denigrate any coach, I'm, I'm just going to use a name, it's probably not correct. Say you were a Malthouse uh, and you, um, you were too constrained in how you play and regimented, then you, you don't have your players at level five. You actually have them... You actually have them down at, at level three and if you're lucky at level two because they're, they're going to turning up to do what you want them to do. So you've got to, you've got to have a bit more scope is the word. You've got to give them flair. Uh, like to, and that's what Richmond's done. And, and that's what Fagan's doing at Brisbane. Hodge is allowing that to happen. So the best coaches allow their players flair. 
Now that's no different to L'Oreal, Renault, Mercedes, BMW, whatever. Um, although in business you've got to have policies, processes, procedures <clears throat> by law to enable you to operate within the law and the occupational health and safety laws as well. But nevertheless, you've got to give your people opportunities to come up with new ideas. And I run a program, Nick, called Tap, called Tap the Talent of Your Team, where I, I chair or facilitate groups of, of uh, staff <clears throat> um, and we come up with ideas about how we can make the business better. Now, the managers of L'Oreal and Renault and these companies need to do that more. They need to take the brakes off, if I can use a metaphor. If the, if the car's going down the road, Nick, yours or mine, with two brakes on, then it goes down the road like a crab and you don't want to be in it, really, do you? In fact, it's going to get red hot, the brakes. So the car will go like it's driving. We've all left the parking lot with the brakes on. Yeah, we've all done it. Forgotten. And you can hear it screaming and then its lights go mad. and it, So you've got to take the brakes off. So it's no different to a coach or a leader <clears throat> taking the brakes off the, off the brain of the people he's coaching. And it's the same for a, for a company as it is for a club. Does that help you? It does help me, George. And I think it segues into a question now that I want to... You've probably... I'm loving the conversation. I'm loving the way this is going off in all different directions. It's fantastic. And I think for that to happen, mate, does the leader or the boss or whatever role or title they have... Take the word boss. Go on. Why? Because it's authoritarian and it says, you will do what I say instead of leader, which says, come with me, arm around your shoulder, so to speak. Like bosses have, a lot of journalists, Nick, it's interesting, really interesting point you raise. I, my shackles go up <laughs> when I read <laughs> a journalist writing in the paper saying, the, oh, the AFL boss. It's, it's, yep. That's going back to the feudal system, which is a couple of centuries ago. <clears throat> the journalists have got to be brought kicking and screaming into the 21st century. It's not a boss at all. They're a leader or a manager. But go on. So the leaders and, no, I love it, mate. The leaders and managers, <laughs> in your experience, yep. are the good ones very good at being vulnerable? Because I'd assume, I don't like using the word assume, I'll, but I'm going to use it anyway. I assume that the successful organisations you've worked with, their leaders have the ability to be vulnerable. Well, they weren't initially. I have to educate them to be that. So usually what happens, Nick, is I have to coach and mentor them to help them to understand and uh, share the power of knowledge with them to help them understand the benefits of letting the brakes off, of, of letting people share them. So the best leaders, Nick, the best managers employ people who are better than them yep. and let them come in and influence the club to change. The worst are prima donnas who don't want to hear anyone. Their way is my way is the right way, my way or the highway. You've heard that a million times. Uh, and then they're the worst because they put a ceiling on their knowledge of their knowledge on the team. And you're better to get the team's ideas. David Parkin told me a great story years ago how when he was coach of Carlton, how he, he abdicated his role for the kick-out process of AFL yep. and gave his leadership team, a leadership group, the chance to do it without his influence. And they came up with a better idea than him and they won the premiership. There you go. It's a great story. He abdicated his power in that in that area. So that's that means he's a great leader, and he is. Everyone knows that. Um, so the best leaders 
<clears throat> grow people. The worst leaders control people. You're talking a lot of sense, but why is it that we, more often than not, come across the dictator and the authoritarian type coach? Why the, why the processes and philosophies that you're talking about now that seem so simple and so, I mean, it's empathy, it's human, it's being mm -hmm. genuine? Yes. <clears throat> why are we still struggling yes. to break down the barriers to get more people in these roles like that, George? It's pretty fascinating to me. Well, part of the reason is um, uh, it's called the Peter Principle. Have you ever heard of that? Vaguely, but, but you're going to tell me what it means. Okay. Well, you can get it on Google. Look up the Peter Principle. I, I think it's John Peters uh, was a psychologist. The Peter Principle is where you promote your best. I'll, I'll give you a couple of examples of your question. You promote okay. the best salesman to sales manager and the company loses twice. You promote the best accountant to CFO and the company loses twice. You promote the best footballer to captain and the, and the club loses twice. You promote the best captain to coach and the club loses twice. What do I mean by loses twice? They've lost the best generator or, or uh, yeah, in their previous role and got somebody who's out of their depth. So the Peter Principle is where you get promoted beyond your level of competence to incompetence. So, I mean, there's plenty of stories. I won't say names. If you want me to, I can. Of, and they're good people. We'll say Michael Voss. There's a classic. Lovely guy. Fantastic footballer. Great captain. Yeah? It was made a coach too early out of his depth. He's admitted it now. He should never, ever have been a coach, right, at that time because he wasn't equipped. So the, the missing ingredient in the, and the reason for your question, it's a really good one, is that they aren't educated in psychology enough. So it becomes when you go from, play, as a player, marshalling people on the field and doing, is that the word? Doing the playing of the football, you go into man management. If I use man management, that's assuming it's a male team, or female, female management. You go into people management, that's better. Yep. And that's a whole different a whole different area. That's, that's to do with psychology, high-performance psychology, understanding the hierarchy of needs, understanding communication skills, uh, understanding emotional intelligence. There's a big one, okay? Um, that's, that's a massive area that coaches aren't good at. And there's five areas. There's self... There's self as, um, uh, well, there's, 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 a, 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 there's five areas that are really, really important. Uh, and, and one is knowing how you affect others. The, se the second is how you can control, um, you know, your, your temper, your actions. The third is how you're motivated. The fourth is the empathy, the word you use. And the fifth yeah. area is, is social skills. How, how good are you at communicating, networking, influencing, selling the story, if you like? Yeah. So, so the first one, self-aware, is which I, I said at the top, is how aware are you of how you influence others? Like now I'm watching you and watching your eyes. I've got to watch your eyes to know whether you want me to continue like I am or not. And your eyes and your face will tell me yes or no. Okay. okay? Uh, and, and, and the second one is self-realistic. You, you've, you've got to be really careful. Um, people are very quick to criticise others instead of counting to 10. Uh, there's a 24-hour rule politicians usually use where if there's something emotional, they should shut up and wait for the next day to say anything. 
right? Yeah. If, you rec- if you get this with email, you get an email that's um, uh, uh, colourful, abusive, <clears throat> incorrect, um, un- unfortunate, inappropriate. I'm trying to use all these words. And all the to, correct words, yeah. And you go to a reply to it going, you idiot, you feel like saying, so you say, Nick, what, that's a waste of time. What would you go, instead of saying, thanks, Nick, appreciate your point. So you've got to shut up. So that's, that's what you've got to be really careful about. So a lot of the coaches, when they get into this, come from player to coach, aren't equipped, that's the right word, aren't equipped with the psychology and communication skills to be able to do it properly. So they, they yeah. get there in spite of themselves. Some, some pick it up, some have got a trait. But the people who put them there are the problem. So the 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 uh, the, the what do you call them? The um, task forces will call that. That'll do. The task force yeah. who appoints a coach has to have the right skills to be able to appoint the coach because often the task force is made up of the wrong people. So therefore, they get the wrong coach. Does that make sense? Same as make a, sense. Huh? same as in a company. If you yeah yeah. So you've got to be very careful that you do due diligence on uh, whether the, the the person who's going to be the, staying with the AFL is the right, has the right uh, skill base uh, and knowledge base to be the person and the right intelligence base. Okay. I want to ask you a question on the spot. They're all going to be on the spot. That's okay. I don't care. That's good. When you're 79, you don't care anymore. <laughs> <laughs> So let's let's say hypothetically, and I don't think it'll be hypothetical. I'm going to place a bet that you'll have a story about this. Go on. People are still being appointed in the inverted commas Michael Voss scenario. Yes. Right. Yes. Do you have examples or stories, better yet, to show success in that? Because if if Michael Voss is self-aware that he lacks in areas that you're speaking about, yes, and he can, and as you touched on previous by hiring people better than you yes, go to on. make this yes. potentially he could be in a coaching career correct be the end of his coaching career no he could still be coaching if he had built a team around him that he knew were better than him in areas that he lacked or didn't or, have experience yeah, or still could be actually provided yeah. he's got the skills the biggest single thing that you've got to have to be a coach is is the communication psychology you've got to be a strategic yeah. communicator okay yeah. that's the biggest that's the one non-negotiable if you can't communicate and even i'll get i'll be a bit technical a bit specific you've got to be able to speak the queen's english see that you've got to be able to speak really good english how's that i'm showing my date i show my age if i say the queen's english she happens to be still there okay so you've got to be able to speak really well not she done this and she should you know you've got to have good grammar i see a lot of uh watch a lot of ex-footballers and ex-coaches on, on Foxtel and others others who don't know the right tenses, who don't speak properly. They use which instead of who. And they, they, don't, they don't understand that they've left school at a young age, not having a go at any, they're all nice people, not saying they're not, but they're showing up because they have a lack of education in communication skills. And that's, that's not good when you're speaking to people who are now as better educated than they were probably, because the younger footballers are, okay? Yeah. Yeah, so so, um, so the Michael Bosses, that we're, if we're using him, he's a lovely guy, I'm not saying he isn't, but that sort of uh, model, they need to 
can, they need to educate themselves in, in, and polish. There's the word I use. The gem needs to be polished if it's polishable. Okay. Got it? And if yeah, it's not it. polishable, you put it in the other box, don't you? Right. Yeah. You do? Yeah, correct. So it's not polishable. So, so the, the, what I do is I polish gems. That's my job. Whether yeah. it's manager at Renault or L'Oreal or Mercedes or BMW or wherever, they've got to have the potential to be polished. Yes? If so how do, you, how do you identify whether they can be polished, George? By, by uh, spending time with them. Um, yeah. Usually, if, if I'm... The first, three, the first three sessions will tell me whether they're polishable. Okay. And sometimes they're not. And I'll tell the, the company they're not polishable. Or I'll try a bit harder or try a different tack. But you'll find out that it's a bit like my... I've got a daughter who's a doctor of psychology. Okay, you love this joke. So it's, good, okay. it's a good joke. And I tell her. And, and it's, I, use, I use a psychologist joke. How many psychologists does it take to change a light bulb? The answer's one, but the light bulb has got to want to change. You got it? I got it. So the coach has got to want, or the leader's got to want to change. Now, yeah. often, often, what, so I've got a funny question I ask, and this is answers your question. I've got a funny question I, I ask, <clears throat> and I'm holding up a glass of water. You see that? I can see it. Okay. I say to everybody the very first time I meet them, if I'm coaching them, if it was you, I would the same. How Let's full? How full is your glass of I'm okay juice? How full is my glass of I'm okay juice? Yes. You see, and it's a funny question, isn't it? It because is because the sort of it's not orange juice, it's not apple juice, it's I'm okay juice. And you'd yeah. be surprised. People go, sorry, what was that again? And I say, okay, it's not a trick question. How full is your glass of I'm okay juice? And you'll be surprised. People on serious money and will look down if, if this is finding out if they're going to want to change. They'll look down and, oh, well, it could be higher. Okay, we've found out. So if he, if he says, oh, it's fine, it's full, well, I don't need to coach him, do I? Yeah. Well, I was, my responsibility, I was going to say about half. Well, well that's, that's usually about, about right. If, if they, okay. I, haven't anyone, I haven't had anyone yet in my whole career of coaching say it's full, not one. But if I did, it'd tell me he's an arrogant and ignorant person and thinks he's better than he is and he won't listen to me anyway, so it's a waste of time. Yeah. So if he says, oh, it's about half, like you said, about half or three quarters, and say, that's good. Would you like to fill it up? My response would be yes. Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay, I'll help you do that. Okay. Now we're on track. So it's a funny question, isn't it? But, I, but it gets an interesting answer. And I usually find out where their eyes go. Majority, you didn't, because we're on, on Zoom. But the majority of people who, who, who ask me to coach them, their eyes tend to go to, the, go to the desk. Oh, it's not really full. You follow? Which is What's saying, tell you? Well, I'll tell you what it tells me. It tells okay. me, and this is at Coles or Mercedes, it doesn't matter what company or, or clubs. It tells me that they're a veneer. You know what a veneer is? No. Okay, well, that's okay. A veneer is it looks like wood, except it isn't. Okay. In other words, a desk, a thick desk, you might have there now. If it's, yeah. if it's say, that thick of wood, solid, 
that's yep. wood. However, if it's if it's um, um, chipboard with a a thin veneer of uh, it looks like wood over it stuck on it, you follow? Yeah. That's called a veneer. So it looks like wood, but it isn't. <laughs> it, in fact, I'll be more specific. It looks solid, but it isn't solid. It's very thin. So what the point is is that often often managers, leaders, and coaches look like they're very confident and assertive and in control and feeling okay, but deep down they're not. They're, they're, they're like a duck. They're like a duck on water gliding, but their feet are going like blazers. Yeah, I got you. You with me? I that, am. That's that's what that that's what I have to find out. And usually, and this is quite interesting actually. Usually after about the third or fourth session, each session's about an hour and a half, they'll often break down. I've had grown men, very powerful people, cry, cry. I've had to give them a tissue box because they've been bullied when they're young or something's happened or they'll, they'll feel comfortable and confident with me yeah. and it's safe to be who they really are. Right. Hello? Now, that's, that's very, very helpful, cleansing, cathartic, whatever word you want to use, because it enables them now to take the brakes off themselves so they can free wheel and grow. Yeah. So it's a bit like, forgive me what I'm going to say, it's a bit like it's a bit like coughing up a bit of phlegm or vomiting up bad a bad pie. You get rid of it, yeah, and you feel a million dollars, don't you? Yep. Well, that's what happens. They've been carrying baggage, mental baggage in their mind for years, often, uh, years at one guy, no names obviously, top um, accountant in, in, in the world actually, um, yeah. even, even uh, um, worked with prime ministers. He, he broke down and cried his eyes out because he'd been bullied at school and as a result he used to bite his nails right down to the quick. Yeah. And I've stopped him doing that. Once he vomited up his problem, uh, you would believe the difference. How, how do you reckon I feel? So, Terrific. So it's quite amazing. It, yeah, it gets into that area. While I'm not a trained psychologist like my daughter is a doctor of it, I've, yep. I'm nearly, I nearly am. So your experience with all these leaders and managers across a whole different, I guess, um, variety of sport, business, all different, like Renault, football, yeah. all different sorts of things. Yes. What still what rings true? What does not change? What does not change? Uh, their need to want to be the best. Uh, yeah. their, their need to be open and accept new ideas. Uh, their their ability to listen and try. Their ability to I'll use a, a motoring term to road test, if you like. Uh, yeah. That doesn't change. You've got to be prepared to have a go. No different to me using Skype, right? I, we, we worked it out today, yeah? Well, okay, I didn't feel all that flash talking on your, uh, on your um, uh, code, which didn't work. I felt inadequate, yeah? Because you've sent it yeah. to me. I've got to be prepared to say, hey, doesn't work. Now, that's a really interesting thing because when we're younger, we usually find that difficult yeah. or more difficult. There comes a time it's called maturity. I don't know when that happens, by the way. Haven't got a clue. But it, uh, it happens at certain times. It can happen to people at 15, 10, 8, 26, 42, or 72, or 79, or 80. I don't know. 
but it's it's when you when you don't care. Nike's Nike's fantastic um, positioning statement, just do it, is wonderful. See, because we talked about that. I said, well, will I send you another one? Yeah, just do it, right? Well, who cares? I don't. But when you're worried about who you are, and a lot of managers won't change. When you're worried about your image too much, people won't change. Um, you know, when when you there's a great saying when when you you can be when you get too successful too quick, it's easy to become arrogant and ignorant. And then the joke is, the guy said the other day, I asked my I asked my managers what was the difference between arrogance and ignorance, and they said I don't know and I don't care. Ha <laughs> ha joke. So yeah. you've got to be prepared to be open. That's fascinating insights, mate. Who who's the best you've worked with? Who's the best um, in what in in a, in a sense of uh, football versus business? Which would you like me to give you both? I'd like you to give me both. Okay. Uh, and, and why as well? I want to I want to know the why. Okay, I'm going to give you a fantastic story. Okay, true story. It's okay. in the book. Um, I was asked by Ian Dicker to coach Peter Schwab when he was a senior coach of Hawthorne when his little girl died, and she was six. Emily, she had a brain yep. tumor. I think it's Emily. She don't hold me to that, but I think it was. And uh, he was he was losing games, and he wasn't in good in a good space. Would you be? No. Would I be? Probably not. So um, I was asked to coach him to help him. Uh, as I, I didn't wasn't it wasn't specifically told for that, but I found that was the problem. Okay. So I went to his house. We were we agreed to go to his house, and he's got a den there. So when I went to the house, I noticed the house was covered in uh, covered. Bit, bit uh, melodramatic. We had had a lot of photographs of her up everywhere. All right? okay. And uh, and uh, I just observed the first time. The second week, two weeks later, I went there. I observed again, same thing. His wife and he were going through the grieving process. Okay, and uh, there's five levels of the grieving process. You got to know about them. And I'll tell you quickly. They are denial, anger, um, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. You got that? That's the last one. So they were going through, if you like, depression. Okay? They hadn't completed it yet, and that's okay. That's understandable. And I'm sure Peter won't mind me saying this, actually. So I said to him on the third session, third, third session, and he had, they hadn't won a game. They'd lost three in a row. I said, Peter, I need to talk to you today about something, and you might never want to see me again. You might actually ask me to leave. And I don't mind but I'm doing this for you, not me. Yep. So he said, okay. So we went into his den and um, I said, look, um, I know you loved your daughter. I know Jenny did, da, 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 but she's not here and you're living that life. I'm sure she wouldn't want you to be going through what you're going through because if you don't start to win, you'll lose your contract, your income, your house, the works. Got it? So in other words, I, I made the point. So you need to put her in a her memory in a lovely pink box in the corner, uh, life pink satin if you like, with a lovely bow around it, and put her yeah. memories in that, and take down a lot of the photographs. There's too many. Just have a couple. You broke down, as you'd imagine. Okay, yeah. that'll do. You broke down, and I, and I, I was waiting for him to kick me out. Of course he didn't. We're still friends. In fact, I still mentor him now today. Not. Yeah. Not today, but as we speak. And um, 
they won the next 10 games. Good story. It's a great story, mate. And I want you to dig deeper on it. I want to ask, firstly, I want to talk about your skill set in developing that skill set in knowing how to be so forthright and to the point with that particular client. Does that take a lot of time, George? Is it self-confidence? Is it experience? It's, look, it's a bit of something that I'm told by, uh, I've got to be immodest to give you the answer, okay? So I'll be immodest and I'll give you the answer that I'm told I have, okay? okay. Apparently I've got an insight, ability for an insight, a bit like my, my mum. I've got her memory. I can memorise 30 names without worrying. I used to be able to, probably still can if I tried. I'm very good with names, etc. So I've got an insight that I don't know what you call it, a sixth sense, or I've got this ability to, and people of, of coach have told me this, you have the ability to make people see themselves inside themselves. Now, I don't know, perhaps it's a lot of comment, what you just said. Uh, ability, knowledge, technique, questioning, um, observing. Yes, it's, it's, but it must be a gift. Perhaps it's a gift, Nick. Let's say it's a gift. Um, but I can see the problems. I can read people. Um, I read people in business. I read their root causes under the iceberg, I call it. You see that? Yep. The iceberg is one-eighth above the water, that bit, Yep. and seven-eighths below the water. Yep. So let's use Peter in that example. Okay. Peter was his, his aptitude, attitude... <clears throat> Uh, and his ability to coach at the time was was flawed because of his grief of his daughter. Fair enough. Yep. No criticism. Why was it? You go and dive under the iceberg. Why was that so? Yep. Because he was still hanging on. He hadn't got through acceptance. He hadn't got through the grief cycle. He was still stuck. He was stuck in, uh, you won't say a rut, but he was stuck in in depression, he was stuck in emotional depression, uh, all, all normal. I had to jolt him out of it at my risk because he could have said, that's it, get out, right? Yeah. I didn't care. So what, what I've learned a lot from just that, actually. So, so um, you, you, have to ha you have to dive under the iceberg, and that's what I do a lot of. I see people's, people's face, their, their attributes, their behaviour, um, I suppose I'm, I'm bordering on a behavioural scientist at the minute. If you see their behaviour and you say, why is it like that? Hmm. So you have to be able to put on a wetsuit or, you know, you have to be able to be James Bond and dive down under the iceberg and, and, and see what, what's the root cause of the, causing that. And in his case, it was grief. So I had, to, I, had to be, I had to say, come on, you've got to get out of this. But I had to also give him the reasons why he should. Now, Neil Danaher spoke for me with a client recently, well, recently, 18 months ago. Um, time flies, doesn't it? And I asked him to speak on leadership because he, and he has, he's really in trouble. You know, lovely man, good friend. I coached him for three years, mentored him more uh, than mm -hmm. coached. And he, he was a guest speaker for a client for me um, 18 months ago. Okay. Have his own special knife and fork and can't drive and terrible. Anyway, he said to them, he said, the, the biggest single thing you can learn out of getting people to change, if you want them to change and if you want to be a better leader, and I'm, I espouse this anyway, is to tell them why they should. 
Okay. Yeah, you're not just what to do. And as parents, we say, make your bed, right? Yep. Clean your teeth. This is, oh, that'll do, you know the rest. Instead of yep. saying, if you, want, if you don't want your teeth to fall out and have no teeth and look ordinary, right, you better clean your teeth. Well, that takes too long, they think, don't they? If, if, <laughs> if you want your friends to come around to your house and think you're clean and a lovely person, go and make your bed. Otherwise, they think you're a hobo and you stink. They don't say that either. You follow? I do. I'm making the point to make the point. So, yeah. so parents, it all comes from parenting. Parenting is bad. No, I don't know one course in the world that teaches anyone to be a parent. I, I know a course that teaches them to have a child. They go to the hospital and the, and the wife who's pregnant and the, and the husband go to the hospital and learn how to breathe and all that stuff, but they never get a story. There's no course to do a how to be a parent. So yeah. in the world that I know of, except in Asia, in the, in the Eastern countries, the grandma and grandpa, the mother does not live with them, so they've actually got the course inbuilt, see? They learn from their, from their, we kick them out and put them in an old people's home. So we get rid of them. We get, you don't want to see the grandparents come out now and again. So yeah. compared to that. So, so it's really an interesting, it's an interesting thing. That you've got to be able to dive under the, underneath and learn what, what the root causes are. Neil said that. If you want to be the best leader, you've got to help people to understand why they should change. See, so if you don't say why, you, that's the difference between a democratic leader and an autocratic leader. An autocratic yeah. leader says, do that. A democratic leader might say, what do you think we should do? Now, there are times for different types of leaders. If, if we were in World War II and the measure smiths were coming at us and they're bound to be here and, and bomb us in 25 minutes, you don't say, let's have a, let's have a meeting, do you? No. <laughs> no General <laughs> MacArthur says, we're going to do this and this. He's autocratic. So you, there's times for everything. But mm -hmm. mostly in business, you need, you've got time, well, you should have, and you should be more democratic than authoritarian or autocratic. So you've got to tell people why. The why. And the why yes. is, is very important. I want, to, I want to talk about the two Neils that we've mentioned throughout the podcast so far, Neil Craig and Neil Danner, who you've, who you've just touched on. But yes. the Peter yes. Schwab story was a great one and it was really cool for you to share it. Can you tell me the executive business story that you had as well? We had two examples. What was the business one of the best you've seen and, and perhaps the why? Okay. Um, Travelling on a... I'll tell you the first one I started to tell you. Wurlitzer. Travelling on a plane... Oh, it's a long while ago. Long while ago. When I just started my business. 1976 it was. There you go. You weren't even born. And I was in this plane walking around. We're going to, uh, to Jakarta and then to Hong Kong. And I had about 40 people on board going up there for a conference for Canon cameras. Uh, and, uh, and I was going around talking to them all, making them all feel special, seeing if they had any problems, walking around the cabin. I hadn't eaten the lunch yet or hadn't been served. And this guy came up to me and he said, and from behind, I'd never met him in my life. And he said, excuse me. I said, yes, what, I'm sorry, am I in the right? I know, he said, I just want to ask you a question. Are you always like this? I don't know. I'm in the air, in the plane, right? And he said, right. I said, what do you mean? He said, I've never seen anybody so attentive to their team, to their group in my life. It's unbelievable. Oh. How long have you been with the group for at this stage? Uh, we'd been flying for about eight hours. Anyway. He's made this assessment over an eight-hour flight. Is yeah, that right? yeah, sort of. Yeah, that's right. He'd watch me. Okay. And then okay. as we took off, this was 
And he did this between, we got to Jakarta, then we took off between Jakarta and Hong Kong. And then yep. this was in, on that last leg. And I said, uh, oh, well, I don't know. That's what I do. And he said, well, you're unbelievable. I said, oh, okay. Who are you? You see? And he said, I work for Wurlitzer. I said, what, the organ company? He said, yes. I said, oh, that's good. What? And he said, I'm going to Hong Kong too. I said, okay. He said, have you had lunch yet? This is what, this is true how it happened. I said, no. He said, would you like to come and have lunch with me and my manager? We're in seat, I don't know, 44B, A, B and C. We've got one, a spare seat between us. I said, oh, okay, all right. I'll go and ask my wife. She was sitting there half asleep. So I said, excuse me, darling, do you mind if there's a gentleman who wants me to have, have lunch with him? Yeah. Um, are you okay with that? Oh, yeah, she said that was easier for her. She didn't have to get interrupted. So I went back and sat there. So we had this discussion and he's, he's talking across. I'm in the middle and he's talking across me. Okay. And he says to his manager, who's the Australian manager, he says, um, now listen, Hans, Hans Gertie was his name. He said, uh, when, we get, when you get back to Australia, Hans, George is handling all our business in Australia. You got that? This is, I'm not joking. This is how it happened. And Hans is going, Who, who's this guy? And he says, well, he's going to handle all our marketing and product launches and conferences. And Hans says, is he? He goes, yep. See, so we, then the lunch was served and I'm making small talk. And uh, yeah. where do you work from, Hans? I work from Tarrant Point down south of Sydney. Oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And then they took away the lunch. And, uh, and this guy, his, his, his name was Glenn Derringer. Right. Little bloke. And I said... So after I took the lunch, I said, so Glenn, tell me, what do you do? I'd never even asked him. This is, I'm right. God gospel. And he said, I'm, I'm the product manager for them. And I said, and what area do you, do you look after, Glenn? And he said, the world. You got that? How are you feeling, how are you feeling at this point? Overcome, in awe. I don't know where I am. I've had my business two years, right? You know, and I said, oh, I said, what's your background? He said, well, I'm one of the original, this is true, and I've got an LP from it. I'm one of the original Masketeers. I was with Annette Bernicello. I was a, I'm, a, I'm a child prodigy organist, and Wurlitzer had picked him up as their organ player to play recitals around the world, and he was their world product manager. And, I, and he fell on me in an aeroplane. There you go. Now, what that says, you see, he was, he was doing due diligence for about 10 hours, of watching me in an aeroplane. Yep. Now I got the Toyota account the same way. I played golf with the divisional manager, I think twice. That would equal about eight hours, 10 hours say, afterwards. And then the third time we played, we walked off the seventh green at Yarra Yarra to the eighth tee. And yep. he said to me, call me Monday. I hadn't said a thing. And I yep. said, why? And he said, cause we've got Alan Hingston joining us from Ford and he needs you. I had every division in Australia for Toyota for five years. So have what, you ever asked these, what have you ever asked these people? Sorry, mate. I'm just, I can't, I'm loving this story. Did you what ever ask them? Go pardon? on, go on, you go. Yeah, it's all good. Did you ever ask them at any point, what was the, I guess the tipping point in them to approach you or them to, to know, I want this guy. Did you ever ask them that question? No, I didn't because I felt I was too, I thought it was a bit too, you know, ego, egocentric to ask them that question. Like, why did you ask me? Why, what's good about me to, 
I, I picked up the fact that they could, they like trusted. In fact, I've got a whole part of a chart I use for coaching on this. Like the first, it's like a clock face. Right, code, yeah. Think of a clock yeah. face. The number one at the 12 at the top is they like me. First impression. The second yeah. one, this is important. The second one that goes around to about number three is I perform consistently yeah. on the golf course. My demeanour, my communication, my behaviour, consistent. Yeah. Down the bottom where the six is. Therefore, they could trust me. They believed in me and had confidence in me. Then you go up to where the nine is. You're getting around there. It's yeah. where they respected me enough to support me, promote me, uh, refer me. Got it? It's when you are yeah. beyond trust. You know, this guy is, is authentic, like taking early words from you. This guy mm-hmm. is, is got it. He's, he, yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's uh, you made a point earlier. Uh, doesn't matter. He's, he's uh, authentic will do. And then genuine, maybe genuine. That'll do. That'll do. Yep. And, and then they become more loyal. So this circle of influence, I call it, I mm-hmm. created without trying to get the business. Do you follow? That's the yeah. key. I'd never gone once to impress them. Yeah. I'd only been being who I was, being authentic in what I did, and I wasn't trying to get anything. And so because of that, they saw me warts and all, in that in that influence circle of influence and they knew they could trust and respect, especially respect me. So therefore the risk, this is, this is interesting. Therefore the risk and all directors and all senior managers are there to make, to manage risk. Therefore the risk was low, very low. They thought in getting me to help them. There's a quote that from a previous podcast, I don't know if you know this guy, Darren Harris, does it ring any bells? No, I don't. Go, that's okay. So he worked for, worked for leading teams. Um, yes, yes. I know them. And he's current Claremont head coach. Okay. We spoke to him for over an hour and a half. It was a fantastic yes. um, conversation. And he said, and I think you've really alluded to that in the, the story, you can't get yourself wrong. Yeah, totally. In other words, if you're trying to be somebody else or yep. etc. if you had gone in and, and tried to get the contracts or be the... Yep. The big dog, instead of just being yourself, you would never have been in the position to work with those people. Well, yes, that's, that's very true. Um, you can't be very true. It's either true or it isn't true. I, 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 watch, I, I love people who say it's very true. Is it very true? Yeah. Okay, fair enough. It's just a quirk, isn't it, of communication? It's true. Yeah. Um, so, so I know that uh, twice, and I won't give you the whole story, take forever, but once... Once I was doing work for the housing industry, coaching and teaching their chippies and their builders in communication, leadership and management. And I was up at the blackboard, or whiteboard as it should be, and a guy came up behind me, same sort of story, and he said, you always like this. And I said, sorry. And I turned around to this this guy. I said, yes, why? What's the problem? Who are you? And he said, oh, my name's Tom Richardson. I said, what what do you do? He said, "I've, I've got six guys in the group here. There was about 30. Yeah. I'm from A.B. Jennings. I'm the national sales manager. I just wanted to come and see what you did. I finished right. up doing all doing their work and then he left and went to Jet Set. I, I went to Jet Set and he took me to Bangkok, uh, Darwin, Melbourne, Bali, Hamilton Island. I went to Hamilton Island 35 times. I trained all their 1,250 people and retail and their 400 in their head office. There you go. All because he saw me one day. 
now it's the same story, isn't it? What you're saying about you, you've got to be what what was how did Harris say it? You how can't did, get yourself wrong. No, I, I was just being me. I wasn't trying to impress anybody. Yes, never, no one. Uh, another story, uh, very quick, was um, uh, I was going to do some doing some work for Colonial Insurance. I was playing golf. That was good. Playing golf around the country for nine holes and giving a lecture on sales and marketing, right, and management. That was that was what was happening. And the lady up there said, oh, I love what you're doing. Can we meet when we get back to Melbourne? We were at Indrapilly at Brisbane. So when I went in to meet her, she rang up that morning and said, don't come in. I've just been fired. I said, you're kidding. She said, no, they retrenched everybody in Melbourne, blah, 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 blah. They joined forces with the Sydney, uh, the uh, uh, State Bank of New South Wales. I helped, I just helped her, had a coffee. Are you okay? Nothing else. She hadn't had a job. So what am I doing? Trying to get her business, she hasn't got any. So I'm just trying to be a friend. Invited uh, yeah. her to my place for Christmas drinks. She's married with kids. That's fine. Just been a friend. One day, she there's a phone call. This is unbelievable what I'm going to tell you. She rings up and says, have you got time for lunch? I just want to repay you. I said, oh, okay, that'd be good. Thanks, Laurie. Where? Where we meet? She said, how about BMW's bistro at head office? I said, sorry? She said, how about BMW's bistro? I said, why there? She said, I've just been made the national performance, uh, national professional development manager for Australia. I said, you're kidding. Oh, that'd be lovely. Went out there. She looked at me over a bowl of spaghetti. She said, do you know know a coach that I could ask? This is how it went true. Do you know a corporate coach that I could ask who'd who'd be interested in learning our our worldwide coaching program and help our businesses in Australia? And I looked behind, I said, she, looked, she said, you're talking to me? She said, yeah, you're interested. I said, of course. I became their first coach in Australia, educated at, at, in a Harvard-type course in, in Munich and, and was on contract for 12 years and, and had 28 brand-new BMWs because I was on the, on, the, on, the, on the management plan. What did I do to get that? Same story? Same story. I wasn't trying to do anything, you see. I was just being me. You were being you and you were being humble humble because you ordered spaghetti. You could have gone lobster. It was BMW for Christ's sake. Well, they anyway, they didn't have probably didn't have lobster. But I'm just saying it. Yeah, so it happens. It seems to happen, Nick, if you get this there's a great it happens when you least expect it. When you're doing yeah. your job really well, right? It's like coaches should say this to football. If you want to become captain, just focus on doing your job properly. Yeah. Don't want to be captain. <laughs> yeah. See, in, in, I can tell you this in golf clubs, oh, gee, most clubs, the worst presidents and, and captains are those who desperately want to be. Yeah. The best are those who, who are the best but don't want to be but who are asked. Yeah. The worst are those who want to be. Do I need, well, to, I attempt- do I need to explain why? <laughs> well, I won't attempt to be a comedian anymore and make jokes about lobster and spaghetti. I'll no, just that's be okay. Asked. It did well. It did well. That's okay. So I'm not sure if that's if that's a useful piece of information. Uh, every, all of it has been, mate. It's um, I'm conscious of your time. How long? How much longer have I got you for? You've got me for ten more minutes if you want it. We started late. Okay. Go up yeah. if you want. Beautiful. So ten more minutes, and it'd be remiss of me not to to touch on. The Neils that you've worked with, yes. Let's. Uh, it's, it's probably going to be tough to do within ten minutes, but no, that's okay. You've worked, 
You worked with Neil Danaher. You got half. If you want, I've got, I've, I'm clear or quarter to one if you want it. Go to then. That's where we'll cut. We'll cap it. How's that sound? Sounds good. Okay, Neil Danaher, mate. Yeah. What year did you first get introduced to him? Two thousand and three. Two thousand three. Had he just got the Melbourne job? Uh, he'd been there about eighteen months, I think it was. And he had his Rick Charlesworth in Western Australia when he was at Fremantle was his mentor. And of course, when he came to Melbourne, back to Melbourne, if you like, back to the Eastern States, he found that the tyranny of distance in communicating with Rick Charlesworth was, was just too much. And he asked a guy called Ray Ellis, who was the CEO at the time, and who I'd been mentoring myself, uh, yeah. who we would recommend that could help him. And, and Ray recommended me. Right. So that's how it started. Tell me about it, mate. What, were well, you... okay. I met him. i tell you a good story. How I started. Okay. I met him at a restaurant in Fitzroy Streets and Kilda at the back of this restaurant. Right. And we didn't want to be seen, of course, over at the back. And we had a, we had a coffee. And he's, he's a very laid back country guy. Just a gorgeous man. And yep. uh, his mate, his g'day mate, g'day mate, you know, it's, it's lovely. And I said, and I'm a lot older than him. I could have been his father. Anyway, so we had this chat about what I do and what he does. And he, then he said, okay, he said, I've got to go back. I said, I'll, I'll give you a, I'll give you a, a, a problem. He said, tell me what you think I should do. Because Melbourne yep. were playing really bad and he was in a lot of trouble at that stage. And I said, what's that? He said, I'm going to go back from here to a press conference at Fitzroy's Oval where they, Melbourne were at the time. Yep. And I'm going to run into, it's a press conference. They're going to be all over me. They're going to want to eat me. Yep. How do you think I should handle that? And I said to him these things. I said, first of all, Neil, you should turn up and smile. They'll hate it. The second thing is, you should only give them good news, not bad. The yep. third is, you should keep your chin up and look straight at the camera. And you know what will happen? He said, what? I said, they'll pack up and leave. Because you're not giving them any bad news and you're not down in the dumps and they haven't, they haven't assassinated you. They'll hate it. And what happened? We left. He went back. I went back to my office. I got a call about four o'clock. He said, you're hired. I said, what? <laughs> he said, how did you know all that would happen? I said, I just know that's what happens. They, hate, they, only, want, they only want bad news. They want you to be in a mess. They want you to be distressed. They want it all to be bad. They don't want you to look at the camera. Blah, blah. He said, it all worked. They packed up and left. I said, there you go. See, because that's what you've got to do. You've got to be able to have a strategy in communication to enable you to control the situation. And you did. Well done. He said, okay, we can work together. When, when do we meet? Now, that's how that started. That's the first deal. When I met Chris Fagan, this is a bit of an insight, uh, who was the football manager at the time. He's now yes. coach of the... Brisbane Lions, although I think Hodgie's really the coach, and I think he's the manager. That's between you and me. Um, yeah, that's not out there anywhere. But anyway, um, uh, and I think Hodgie was on the field, and I think he is off. Um, so uh, Chris said to me, called me in one day to his office. He said, you got time? Got a minute to it? I said, yeah, what's on? He said, gee, can you help Neil with his stress? I said, I'll do my best. Why? What's the issue? He said he's a stress carrier. Every time we have a loss, he can't sleep, he vomits, he, he's, he, you know, he's in big trouble, he takes it home with him, he, he thinks it's his fault, blah, blah, blah. He carries it, he's a stress carrier. Now, that may be part of why he's not well, I don't know. 
I'm not that's common. Huh? Common. That's common in coaching. Yes. Very common. So they have to be able to cut the umbil- They have to be able to cut the umbilical cord of that yeah. match and let it float away to Mars and go home and be a real person. Not easy. Yeah. So yeah. I was helpful to him for him to stop that. That's where I helped him to try and compen. Comp- I can't say it right in a second. Put it in a box. That'll do. And and put it over there. Park it. A bit like Peter Schwab. So compartmentalise is that that's the word? I was out, I just couldn't get it my tongue around it. So beautiful. So I helped him to do that and to yeah to to delegate more to to throw to grow. I call it. Do you like that? Throw yeah. to grow. You got to to rugby. Throw to grow. You got to throw the ball. Delegate to your assistant coaches more. You don't own the world, right? Hopeless. If you do that, you're a stress carrier. You're carrying everything. Now, and Eddie Jones recently in his in his uh, in his pod iPod said he wanted everybody to be like him. Then he realised that's not the way to go. I, I listened to it, and he now delegates. Everyone's different, so you've got to be able to trust the circle of influence I described a few minutes ago. I had to I had to help Neil mentor Neil to understand that. And if you don't throw to other assistants, then you diminish them because the hierarchy of needs of with Maslow, which we started on, means that they don't res- they don't respect themselves. They stay down on level two, right? Uh, which is security. They they you don't trust them to display their abilities and skills because you don't yeah. trust them. So yeah. so you see. So what you finish up doing is doing every bloody thing and not and 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 you stuff it. So so that's that was one thing there. Um, if I go to uh, uh, how did he react to that? Um, He's, he was a bit sceptical initially, but he was then open open to it and he tried new things. And in fact, um, who's coaching uh, St Kilda at the moment? Bah, 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 bah. Brent Ratton? Yeah, sorry. Brent Ratton was with him at the time, a uh, couple of others, and he was delegating more and more to them uh, at that time. So that's what he learned. Not, yep. to, not to be the stress carrier for everybody, but to, to disperse it a bit, I suppose. Um, Neil Craig's interesting if I morph into that. Um, uh, I met Neil with Charlie Walsh over at the hotel just at the back of my building here, uh, going back, I don't know, at when 2007, I suppose, something like that. 2000. Who's Charlie Walsh, George? Charlie Walsh is was his mentor, still is a mentor to, to Neil. And he worked with Charlie on the 2000 Olympic Games in Sydney in reinventing the Australian cycling team. Right. Charlie Walsh is a cycling person. And Neil's a sports scientist, master of sports science. Yep. And they reinvented how the, the team could win and by changing a whole lot of things in training, coaching, uh, bike design, helmets, the whole, whole lot of stuff. And uh, I was over there having dinner with a friend, uh, or a couple of clients, actually. And he w- I saw him there, so I... As I walked past, I said, good day, Neil. All the best for the weekend. I'd never met him in my life. And he said, oh, thanks. I said, uh, I do some work in the AFL, and I know about you. You're doing a great job. All the best. I just walked off, right? See? Not can I work with you? No, none of that. So I thought when I came back to my apartment, oh, perhaps I should give him a book. Just, you know, just as a, just as a, uh, a nice gesture. And who knows where it goes because he's in South Australia and I'm in Victoria. So I, I dropped a book off at the reception. I didn't see him again or meet him again until he came to Melbourne. 
to to be the general manager of Melbourne when Mark Neal was the coach. Yep. Okay. And uh, I did. I was asked to give the keynote address for this AFL Coaches Association conference. I think it was 2011 or something like that. Anyway, um, on communi- on what we're talking about today, to be honest, better communication for more effective results. That'll do. And something like that, about an hour and a half, I spoke. Anyway, when I finished, um, I stayed around for a bit of lunch and then I left. I didn't, mostly they were assistant coaches there. And then afterwards, Danny Frawley and I met when he was obviously the head of it. Uh, it's sad about him. Uh, I met him at the AFL Coaches Association just to debrief. How did it go? What did they think? You know, just courtesy call. And he said, oh, they all thought it was fantastic. I said, oh, that's good. That's good, Danny. Nice to hear. Um, he said, Neil Craig especially thought it was wonderful. I said, was he there? He said, yeah, he was at the back of the room. I said, you're kidding. He said, no. He said, in fact, you ought to call him. He thought it was wonderful. I said, I haven't got his mobile. He said, I'll give it to you. So he got up, walked into his office, came back, gave me Neil's, Neil's mobile. I called Neil. We met a um, couple of times after that, well, I don't know, half a dozen, perhaps, at the Hilton Hotel up near the MCG, um, when it was there, yep. now the Pullman, behind a pillar. <laughs> so nobody knew where we were. And then <laughs> finally, uh, that, was building, that was building a relationship, Nick. Do you follow where I'm going? I gave that time to build a relationship because he didn't know me and I didn't know him. Yeah. And and at the end of that, just before the December, I said, well, your call. What do you want to do next year? He said, I'd like to work with you. Send me a proposal. So I did. Okay. I worked with him for seven years. So yeah. I helped him while he was in Melbourne. Then when he went to Essendon, he's confided in me a lot, which I won't say on here, about whether he should or he shouldn't and how he should and whatever. Um, yeah. Then when he went to Carlton, um, he was headhunted to go there because um, the, the CEO we used to work with back in back in Adelaide, and then um, we we got to know one another a bit bit more closely. He said to me one day, I went through. This is possibly important because of the question you asked about coaches. How do they handle things before? I went through in a in a mentoring session about emotional intelligence with him. Yep, and. Uh, what like I discussed with you before, how how you self-aware, uh, you know, uh, how good are you at these things? Can you control yourself, um, yep. etc. How good are you with time management? How good are you with empathy? Can you put yourself in other people's shoes? You right? Yeah, I'm just making sure I don't lose you. You're going to give me some gold, and I want to make sure the line's good. No, no, that's okay. And okay. Uh, and. Um, uh, and then especially communication. Now, he's a yep. scientist. Remember this? Says, I'm going to give you a bit of gold. Uh, he's a left brain task orientated coach, quick person. There are two, there's basically two, I'll use two hands, yeah? Okay. One, the left brain and right brain. Left brain are task orientated people generally. There's a zero to 100. Neil Danner, who is left brain about 25%, I got him to 75. Right brain. Right brain is people orientated. Left brain is task. Yep. I'll go back to Neil Dano for a second. He's a brilliant IT technician. He, right. he, when he was at Fremantle, he started the data, the champion data now do. He actually pioneered that. Not many people know that. Okay. So 
He's very good in task-orientated things like accounting, numbers, processes. You follow that sort of thing? But yeah, communication, definitely. which is why he was a stress carrier. So Neil is, Neil is the same. He's a, he's a sports scientist, master of it, got degrees at Flinders University. Very, he's a scientist. Scientists, uh, lawyers, um, uh, builders, engineers, IT specialists, um, they're all left brain mainly. They can be a bit closer. So if that's zero and that's 100, they can be in a range. Right brain is more uh, teachers, um, teachers, psychologists, salespeople, um, marketing people, journalists are more right brain. Follow them more yep. people orientated. Okay. Yeah. Neil is left or was. And he said to me after th this day, after we'd been through the emotional intelligence section, he said, he stopped me in my tracks. He takes, he takes notes all the time. Really, really small writing. Got it? He's, he's in the left brain. And he said, George, that's amazing what you just described. I said, why is that, Neil? He said, I've never been, I've never known about that stuff ever. If I'd have known about that, you ready? Here's the goal. If I'd have known about that when I was coaching Adelaide, we could have won two premierships. Wow. I didn't know about it because that would have changed the way I communicated with the players. Yeah. Interesting, isn't it? To his credit, he admitted. So now he's gone on to learn about that. And this, this, and the, 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 a nice funny story is after we played golf one day at the National, this is about two years ago, two and a half, <clears throat> on the way back he said, Eddie Jones has rung me to say he'd like me to be his high performance director in London for, the, for England in the World yep. Cup. I said, you're kidding. He said, no, what do you think? This is this is how we <laughs> this is what he does to me. So he, I'm driving the car. What do you think? Oh shit! What do I think? So I thought, <laughs> didn't I? So I'm driving up the East Link and I'm thinking, I'm thinking. So when I pulled up outside his house, he said, "What do you think? Have you thought?" And I said, "Yeah, I have." I said, "I'll ask you a couple of questions. What is Carlton?" He was at Carlton at the time. Yeah. He said, "What do you mean?" I said, "It's not. What, what is Carlton?" He said, "It's a suburb of Melbourne." I said, "Good." Um. Uh, who runs Carlton? He said, the mayor. I said, okay. Um, and what's it a part of? He said, Victoria, and it's, and it's a football club. I said, okay. What is England? He <laughs> said, it's a country. I said, who runs England? He said, the Queen. I said, see you later, Neil. It's a no-brainer. <laughs> That's brilliant. You got that? That's brilliant. That's exactly what I said to him. See you later, yeah. it's a no-brainer. So he did. Now, it's not easy for him, and you can find all that out about it. He has to live away for months at a time, and, uh, but, he's, but he's, a, he's a fountain of, uh, fountain of knowledge for, for Eddie, and he, he coaches the coaches, if you like. In that, he can tell you more. I don't know the total bit, but I, I communicate with him by, by phone while the, while the nation, Six Nations are on and the World Cup, and I look at what happens from an outsider's point of view, knowing squiddly, absolutely zip about rugby other than I... A general view of it, and yeah. I pick up stuff, and I'll just say to him, "What do you think?" Blah 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 blah. And uh, but he's he's been analysing it for Eddie, so Eddie is uh, very close with him, and he with Eddie, and uh, see the circle of influence. Remember, here we go again, the circle of it. Like, yes, perform consistently, trust, respect, loyal. He's there with Eddie. Eddie's ringing him all the time from bloody Japan and England. Yeah. So, 
Yeah. So it is, in other words, Nick, if you want to be successful and have somebody pick you up, you've got to, you've got to be perceived to have no risk attached to you. Okay. Right? That's the bottom line to everything I'm talking about. You've got to, you've, you've, you've got to let people know that your good value, high and low, no risk. There's a, there's a little saying I've got. Aptitude plus, plus attitude equals altitude. So you won't fly unless you've got the right attitude and you won't fly unless you've got the right knowledge, aptitude. Yep. So if you can work, work on that and your situation might be useful. So, so, um, yeah, so, so that's what he's got. And, uh, I've learned a lot from him. I mean, it was what well, the other thing that I haven't touched on, which I will quickly, if we've got time, I think we have I'm looking at my clock. Um, it was when Peter Schwab was at Hawthorne after we went through what we went through and he won 10 yeah. games in a row, which is amazing. He said to me, uh, I, I'd like you to, I want to put together a group of players called the Young Hawks. Now, no one really knows about this, Nick. This is, I'll let this out of the cage, all right? All right. The Young Hawks. And Ian, Ian Dick has told me personally, it's the best thing Peter Schwab ever did when he was at Hawthorne, ever. Right. He's told me personally. And I coach his son, by the way, Dr. Tony Dick. And he said, I said, what, so tell me. He said, oh, there's, there's seven players. I hope I can remember them for you, Nick. Sam Mitchell, Luke Hodge, Chance Bateman, Michael Osborne, Nick Rees, Nathan Loney, and Campbell Brown. God, I got there. How about that? It's not bad. Oh, fantastic. 79, I can still do it. See, told you. So, well, you did say previously you could probably do 30, so seven would have been pretty easy. Anyway, I have done 30. I've done 36. <laughs> so... So I said, what do you want me to do? He said, I want you to put them through a leadership program. They're pretty raw, but they're the new group. I want them to be coming through. Do you follow? I want yeah. them to be coming through before the, the others, the Crawfords and the, 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 you know, the rest of the existing um, people. I said, okay. Emerging leaders is what they'd be called today. They would be. They'd be called, say again, the which? Emerging, emerging leaders. Yeah, 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 they would be. So he yep. called them the young hawks. You followed like in a nest. Very clever. Gotcha. So I gave them, um, I gave them uh, leadership training in a course for about oh, about nine months, where they had to come, they had to see me after the, had to, we went through a group and then they'd come over and I was there most of the day. And they'd come over and see me one on one for about half an hour, forty five minutes, and I go and I had they had to bring something to write with and you follow. And something to write on. That was interesting. <laughs> Some of them didn't bring anything for the first session. I said, what do you think? We're having a barbecue. Anyway, so so they finally, I finally got them to bring over their diary, because they all had one, and a pen. There you yeah. go. That's a big thing. So we, we then we put I put them through leadership and worked with them on how they could be better at what they were doing and what their deficiencies were, what they thought their strengths were, what their weaknesses were. It was really, really fantastic. And then yeah. Peter said to me, so who do you think can make the best captain? See? And I said, well, you serious? He said, yeah, who do you think? I said, it's no brainer, Sam Mitchell. He's unbelievable. Articulate, good thinker. Um, you know, he mightn't be the best footballer in the group, but he, you're not talking about the best footballer. You did say the best captain. Is that right? He said, yes. Yeah. 
I said, well, okay, there's a difference. All be now going back to what we've been talking about, you can see why I said that. Yep. So I said, look, he said, because Luke Hodge is a better footballer. I said, well, you asked me, he didn't ask me he's the best footballer. So I said, I think if you wanted to, the best captain would be Sam Mitchell and you could have Luke come in eventually. I don't know, but none of my business. That's my answer. Anyway, mm -hmm. Sam Mitchell became captain. Sam Mitchell won the first premiership. You know all the rest. You can look it up. Uh, then, yeah, of course. Then, then Hodgie came in. Now, Sam Mitchell, going back to Michael Voss, okay, it's a really good point perhaps to leave us with. Okay. Sam Mitchell um, and, and Alistair Clarkson's a devotee of the, I think, from reading between the lines, I don't know this personally, of the, okay. book, of the book Legacy. You ever read it? Yes, okay. I've read it. Okay. Well, there's a few yellow things sticking out of it. So, For the listeners, there's about... 20 post-its in there that you've been taking notes of. Well, I use it quite a lot. Now, he, he when the wave, he, he uh, reinvents the, the, the club when it's at the top of the wave. You won't understand? He finds yeah. another wave when he's on the top of the wave. So he says to Mitchell, okay, thanks very much. It's been good, good fun. You're out of here. Now, this is tough. He said that to, uh, who's the guy that went to Melbourne? Um, 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 Lewis. Jordan, um, Jordan Lewis, yeah, and Hodgie, the same thing. So, so Sam, though, to his credit, see, Sam will make a great coach one day, in my view, because he's got the right qualities, yep. skill, skill base, knowledge. Well, I've worked with him a bit. He knows that. So he's, he went across from, from Hawthorne to West, West Coast as Correct. an assistant coach, as a, playing, as a player and yep. an advisor. The next year or the year after, you know, the, I'm not sure how many years, he became an assistant coach. Mm -hmm. Where is he now? Back, Back with, at Hawthorne. Correct. He's doing it slow. Yep. He's, he's not doing a boss. He's not going from player to coach. He's, yep. he's, he's doing his, his due diligence himself. He's learning the craft. He's learning. He's getting experience and knowledge and, and emotional intelligence skills. He's getting his act together. That'll do. So... Yeah. Don't be surprised if when Clarkson's not there, who do you think will be in there? He's a big chance to be a well, first to be interviewed, I thought. Well, no brainer. No, no brainer for you. No brainer. Yep. So I just I just that's my opinion. But mm -hmm. in other words, he's being schooled and he's a young hawk, you follow? He's yeah. Yeah, now that if it happens, it might not, it might go to somewhere else. Be a shame. But but in other words, he's being he's being groomed. He's being educated with skills and knowledge and experience and, yeah, he's not being thrown to the wolves. So, and if that's his own, if that's his own judgment, decision-making, good on him, that's clever. Because he's got more chance to win. See, he's going to have more chance to be relevant and he's going to reduce the risk of failure. <laughs> you follow? I do. Yeah. I do. So, so... Uh, He's a, he's a very smart man. He's very, got a good brain. When you hear him interviewed, he's, he's got, I'll say this this way, he's got magnificent English skills. He can speak properly with good grammar. Um, he uses all the right, right words. He's very composed. He's articulate. He's got statesman-like qualities. Yep. And that's okay. He's a nice guy. Hodgie's a terrific bloke. There's all, they're all good blokes. Um, so I think he'd make the a next he'd make a really good coach eventually. 
This has been a brilliant chat, mate. Before you, we wind up, I just want to touch on the left and right brain yeah, that we spoke about. Yes. In the current coaching climate, no matter whether it's sport or even business, if you are coaching individuals, do you need a 50-50 balance of left and right? Or in this current day and age, do we need more right? Yeah, I reckon you need, I, I would say 60-40. 60 being? Yeah, 60 being right brain, people skills. But might yeah. even be 70-30 because yeah. you've got other people there that can do other things. But you've yeah. got to be a good communicator. Uh, it yeah. could even be 80-20. Uh, but let's say 70-30. You've got to be a really good people manager uh, and you've got to be a pseudo-psychologist. So how many coaches do you know that is, they all go to coaching level one, two, three, I don't know what that is actually, but anyway, they do them. They said, I've been to level coaching four or three or something. Well, I don't know whether they've touched on what I've been talking to you about. They might have. Um, but, but they need to be more people-based people managers. Yep. And, and less uh, technicians. I mean, you shouldn't have to teach somebody how to handle a kick, uh, mark, you know, turn at that level. See, Damien Hardwick learnt. Like, he wasn't going to be there unless he got a mentor, so he went and did, met Ben Crow. And uh, Ben Crow and he worked together. And since then, he, he knows he doesn't know it all. He's, he, he delegates. Um, he pushes out. That's why they're winning. Uh, Buckley's changed a bit that way too. I don't know how much. Uh, Fig Jam, I don't know where where he's at. But um, <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I think George. I think if we look at if we look at Buckley's last three to four years, he's made the shift. He's done what you're talking he about. He has, yeah. and he was told. Yeah, well, he was told to, or he did. Good on him. But after yeah. Dimmer changed, and I've read the books, Yellow and Black. I know. I've, I've read. I know what he's done. He, he had to. Uh, he had to. He had to delegate. Throw to grow. It's a great yeah. line. You got to throw to grow. Because yeah. I often use this. And imagine this: if 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 the if the captain of the Australian rugby team never passed the ball, what would happen to him in a match? You get smashed. Killed is the better word. Killed. <laughs> yeah. And the second line. So therefore, when the and if he didn't get killed and he was smashed, let's use your word. And you went yeah. to get on the bus the next day to play another team. How many people do you think you get out of bed and get on the bus with? You? Not many. Correct. Good. Good. It's easy one, isn't it? See, so you can't do it all. You have got to throw to grow. And and you, yeah. but that, that that presupposes that the other players, coaches in the, in a sense, have got to be up with you at the right spot. They've got to be fit. They've got to be there when you pass it. And if they're not, yeah. they're going to train more to be there. Then they've got to catch it properly. Don't you see the metaphoric language I'm using? Yeah. yeah. They've got to get it. They've got to be up there. They've got to know. They've got to be on the same page. Cliche, cliche, cliche. They've got to be there. If they're not, next, new, new one. See? So not I'm a good player, I'll be... No, no. You've got to know whether he can catch the ball. But you have to yeah. throw to grow. Now, Buckley, yes, he has changed. I've watched that. I've, see, I watch TV not like many other people. You can imagine. I watch it and... I replay it and I watch it and I watch faces and, I, and eyes and, and I'm, I'm hopeless. I, I'm, I'm using it for research, yes? Right, yeah. Sometimes I actually have a good game when I'm, you know, when I watch a good game, it's good. But I do a lot of other things. I watch, I watched Buckley, for instance, about five years ago, the way he communicated in the box. Yep. And I wrote... I wrote to, I know Neil Barm a bit, and I said to Barmy, 
he's got low emotional intelligence. He needs to be fixed. He needs to be he needs to be better. He's too he's worrying too much about what people think about him. He hasn't got enough I'm I'm okay juice in his glass, right? <laughs> Come on. Now he has he's done a lot of those things. So to his credit, he has. Yeah. Um, anyway. So there's opportunities for people to change. Knowledge, knowledge is the fountain of change. You've yeah. got to have more knowledge. Today you can't stop learning. You've got to keep learning. And that's why I admire your courage for doing what you're doing. I really appreciate that, mate. And I think you're a testament to that. You've, it's been no secret about your age and how many years you've been in the game. And Correct. you're still learning to this day, aren't you? I am. Yes. And I'm even conscious I'm even conscious about the language I'm using now, aren't you? That's not very No, it's got smart, it's, isn't it? Correct. No, it's not. Uh, that's it. Yeah, and it's and it's and it's an and, and Nick, good on you. Well done. Um are you the one that brought it up? I didn't, but it's an invest I'm conscious. I was on radio for ten years, Nick. Yep. And I remember my first ever program I set, talked about Wimbledon. Wimbledon. Hear that Wimbledon? And the guy yeah, the yeah, yeah. and the and the guy yes, yes, yes. And, and the guy at the other end, the, the producer said, George, sorry, it's Wimbledon. I said, thank you. Learned. Yeah. Yes, you've got to be very careful. You see, you're, you're, uh, two seconds for you. You have to package your image so it's relevant to the marketplace. So you're going, yeah, not bad, mate. Yeah, ripper. Is that really how you want me to speak? Yeah. Well, it isn't, is it? Because I know no. this is going a few places. And so I'm conscious of my level of language and my ability to articulate, right? So you have to speak clearly and finish your words. See? Yes. Yes. Not yeah. Yeah, mate. Ripper. Beauty. No, no, no worries. Yeah. What do you think of that? Yeah, no. Oh, come on. Get your act together. Right? So I'm not sure how much training the sports people do before they go on television. My observation is not much. But it probably is something. But... Yes, if you pick that up today, good on you. Make sure you speak like you'd want people to hear. Now, what it does is it changes the value of you. Okay. A lot of coaches think they have to swear to get the message over. No, they reduce themselves to a gutter rabble. Okay. <laughs> I've definitely been conscious of it when you mentioned it probably about an hour ago. It's, uh, it's fascinating listening and and. I'll listen back to this and think, gee, I wonder how how many times I used, what do you call it? Lazy slang? I don't know. Lazy language? That'll do. It's good. I love alliteration. Lazy language, the two, two L's. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most, most humans, though, don't, don't, don't knock yourself around. Most humans are lazy. They want to, we want it lazy. There's a few words that run together. We want it lazy, easy, don't we? We want, we, we want to get money for nothing. We want the car for nothing. We want the holiday for nothing. We want to we want to lie back in a hammock with people serving us a beer and you know in a in a chiller or a glass of champagne, whatever you take. And we don't <laughs> want to do any, We don't want to do the lawns. We want to, we yeah. just want to lie on the couch and watch telly. Not the real world. Yeah. But so yes. So polish. Remember, polish yourself, and you can do that. You're smart enough because you are. I know that. Polish yourself. Be proud of yourself. So you've come through with a professional persona. A lot of peas there, would there? Lots of peas, George. I really appreciate those kind words. And I also appreciate you giving me so much of your time. I touched on the story on how this come about 
which is it's one of my favourite stories to date because of how genuine and just engaged you are. Sadly, but it's still good, but sadly, I'm 35. I'm only just learning about who you are at this present time. So for the people that are going to listen to this podcast, where do we find you? Are you active on socials? You've written five books or you're going into your fifth book, I think it was. Yeah, where can people four, access yeah. information about you? Oh, you can get me on Norris Management at bigpond.com. That's my email. And my website is norrismanagement.com.au. Um, yeah, there's websites out there. I'm on LinkedIn. I don't, I don't uh, at the moment go on. Uh, look, I've, I'm not on Instagram. I'm, I'm, I'm on Facebook for my grandkids' photos. That's all. Uh, okay. I, 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 try, I try to stay off those because they time wasters for me. I get whilst we've been talking, there must have been ten Facebook things come in that I'm going to delete, right? Because I've no interest in what they're going to show me. I know who they are. So people that have got time to waste tend to be on Facebook. That's what okay. I find. And tend to, people who tend to have low self-esteem tend to be on Facebook. They need to show people that the, the, the food, the bowl of food they're having, right? Yeah, you got me? They need to show okay. you the knife and fork where they're, come on, get me, get a life. I haven't got time for that. Right? <laughs> but they tend to, if they want to show me my grandkids in the stand smiling at the basketball, yeah, 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 I'll watch that. So I'm not, okay. I just find that I haven't got time for that. So I'm not saying it's wrong. But but I'm not on on social media other than inst other than other than um, LinkedIn. So you can get me on mobile oh four one eight five six one two seven one or my email. You know it all. In fact, everything I you ask me is on the bottom of my email. See, I make sure it's there. It is. It and is. I will uh, I will put that out when I release this podcast in in due time. I want to thank you again for the time and the lessons learned through this. I'm sure when I listen back to it, there's going to be great learnings. I'm going to get the notepad out and I'm sure other people will appreciate it as well, mate. You're a star. Really, really want to thank you again. My pleasure. And you let me know about yourself up the road. 100%. Good on you. All the best. Good man. Thanks, George. All the best, Nick. Bye-bye. Cheers. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Really appreciate it. Be sure to share it on all your social platforms or even text an email. And please stay tuned next week for another episode of Hear the Voice. Thanks again.